The funeral is over. Queen Elizabeth's final resting place is in Windsor, next to her beloved Philip. But people are still reflecting all over the world. 26 million people watched the service, and that was just in the UK. So many reactions. Elizabeth was finally made to rest. Did you see all the people who waited for hours just to line the funeral route? One man at the funeral said, I sat in the same spot for Diana's funeral, but the Queen's went deeper. There was even a man who believed the Queen was still alive, and he tried to open her casket. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, a man was arrested for playing a harmonica in tribute to the Queen. As one commentator said, there weren't any politics at that funeral, and that means the monarchy is working. Christians can know that the kingdom of God is also at work, and that's why every believer will be resurrected, including Elizabeth. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here as a week ends and a week begins on a program called Verses You Should Know. As politics and war continue to make life hard for so many in so many places, what a comfort it is to know that our God is the Lord, and He never changes. That's the only true solid ground under our feet. All other ground is sinking sand, as the old hymn says, and that's why we're thinking about verses that are good for all Christians to meditate, to remember, to not forget. You know, all of the Bible is important. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But we want to take some time and think about some very important passages that can help you and me in our Christian walk. These are the verses that you and I can go back to again and again. Even this weekend, as life either slows down or speeds up, depending on how you look at it. But weekends don't mean we're free from hardship. This life is tough. None of us can deny that. So when do we turn when things are tough? The same place we turn when things are going well, the Word of God. And the Bible passage we'll talk about today, we did it on several of our weekday programs, are some of the most comforting in times of struggle. Over the last several days, the world has been hearing about the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Even though she was royalty, she knew what it was like to struggle. She still lived on a fallen planet, but her faith was in her Savior, Jesus Christ. And she turned to God's inspired scripture to remember his promises to her. My friend Catherine Butcher wrote a book detailing these things in the Queen's life. I'd like to send you a copy of Catherine's book, Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. The book is full of colorful photos, rare devotionals by the Queen, and stories about Her Majesty's faith in Jesus Christ as she served both him as well as her nation. Our Faithful Queen is unavailable on Amazon and in North American bookstores, but we have it direct from the UK. So after the program, you can call us to make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. Call 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website to see a preview of the book, and then you can make your gift for one or more copies at haventoday.org. 
haventoday.org. And now I'd like us to open with a hymn that was sung at the Queen's funeral last Monday. It was one of her favorite hymns. But I want us to use a more North American version. The words are more clearly heard. Here's the music group Glad and a hymn the Queen loved so very much. Divine, all loves excelling, a favorite hymn of Queen Elizabeth II, sung at her funeral, sung for us, opening this haven today by the music group Glad. I'm Charles Morris, and we're calling the program Verses You Should Know. Here in the Western world, we love our sports, don't we? 
I always make sure to watch the World Series and the Super Bowl. Queen Elizabeth's favorite sport was tennis. She made sure to make an appearance at Wimbledon almost every year. She also liked horses. And, of course, there were her corgis. Professional sports brings in tens of billions of dollars every year, even more if you count revenue from ads on TV. We're just drawn to sports. Most of us, I think. Not always because we idolize sports, but something about the competition, the determination it takes, the high-stakes games, something about all that draws us in. I think it's because we're drawn to glory. We love to see a team snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. We love to see the triumph of the underdog. There's something powerful there for us to think about. And there's almost always that time, whether you're watching golf, tennis, hockey, or football, basketball, that a coach or a player says it's time to play for keeps. Their season or the game is on the line. It's do or die, win or go home. Those moments show what kind of team they are. If they rise to the challenge, even if they lose, they have confidence going into the next game. If they fail, It's hard to go into the next game not feeling already behind. Playing for keeps in those moments is life or death. And on a much, much deeper level, Scripture is the same with us. When it's implanted deep into our hearts, the Lord uses it to bring us through the intense moments of our lives. Even if we fall, the Word gives us renewed confidence in the Lord. But if we don't have God's Word, Life's hard times become even so much harder. Death is a hard time. Just a couple of weeks ago, it was Queen Elizabeth who passed. We knew she was getting ready to die, but we didn't know when. A nation lost its beloved leader. There's something I heard recently about the death, the Queen's death, that really stuck with me. BBC Two's Jeremy Vine interviewed a pastor and a Cambridge scholar. His name is Malcolm Geit. He's also a poet. He'll be joining me on the program in days to come. He's been a friend of mine for a number of years. But here's what Malcolm said just as the funeral ended at Westminster Abbey. Listen in to BBC Two. Death is the great leveler, you know, and it makes us think. I mean, of course, we have, you know, our ranks and distinctions in society. But in the end, you know, the biblical perspective is that we're all children together of our Heavenly Father. And and Christ emphasizes that. Of course, it was a very kind of Christ-centered service. So there is whatever our other ranks or degrees, and there was a sense in which she was kind of both a mother and a grandmother to the nation. And probably the only context in which you would call, we would all call her sister is to say we are brothers and sisters in christ we are children of the same heavenly father and, and so and, and the, back, the bagpipes at the end playing oh a goodness. melody entitled sleep deary sleep yeah i mean that's you know that's that's a obviously there's a very beautiful sense in which sleep and waking in his providence god has given us the experience of sleep in the evening and waking in the morning to help us understand the promise of resurrection that that you know and there's a wonderful passage in in one of the letters of the port of paul where he, where he sees as it were christ coming to the soul and saying sleeper awake and that's why of course last post and revali is so so moving that this is you know this looks to us and we grieve it as an utter 
utter bereavement and parting and it's right to lament and of course that sleep deary is also a lament and the piper sounded it but there is also and i felt this shone through the service there's the promise of heaven there's the promise of resurrection i, I thought the archbishop did well to end with the words of virilin which uh, our late queen herself had used you know we will meet again and so i thought that balance was good i mean right at the beginning of the service there's a very good thing which is the same in every funeral where you kind of help people to realize what we're there to do and i think it's put we are there we're here to remember so we think of her particular life we're here to mourn that we really are allowed to grieve and cry we don't repress that it's a terrible loss and then that that lovely last thing we're here to commit her to commend her to god so there's an act of holding her up as there is at every funeral holding up to the light with thanksgiving that person's life but then the really the hardest but the most important part of any funeral is the act of letting go of committing and the archbishop did that at the end where he 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 commended her to god that's the beginning of a great letting her go back Thank to you. her father and ours in heaven reverend dr malcolm guite sharing his thoughts on the death of the queen to people all across the united kingdom on the bbc a sobering thought. Death is the great leveler. It does not discriminate between people. When it's your time, it's your time. But for us, for Christians, there is hope. Hope of a kingdom without death and without pain. A kingdom without sadness. Jesus faced that death head on, even to the point of giving up his own life. But he conquered the great conqueror. Jesus leveled the great leveler. And the promise stands for all who put their trust in him. You will conquer death too. That's a beautiful promise to us, especially when we face difficulties in this life. There are some verses in the Bible that stick with God's people through the generations. John 3.16, or maybe Romans 8.28, Jeremiah 29.11. Certain verses and passages that speak life and hope to believers throughout their lives. Reminders that the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son, or that all things work together for good, no matter what we are going through. These passages sustain us in these hard times, and they fill our sails when things are going well. But there's one passage that has been sustaining the Lord's people for nearly 3,000 years. The story behind Numbers 6, 24 through 26 shows us why. When Israel was brought out of Egypt by the Lord, out of the house of slavery, and led through the Red Sea, they were supposed to enter the Promised Land and settle there and enjoy the Lord's blessings. But they kept on turning away from him. They kept on complaining about their water, lack of it, or the food, or even they made that golden calf and wondering if he just brought them out of Egypt to let them die in the desert. To so many Israelites, they thought they were living life under a curse. And they actually were. I don't mean they were rejected by the Lord and cursed in that way. But they had sinned against the Lord to such a degree that he sentenced them to 40 years of wandering in the desert. It was a curse that delayed their enjoyment of the promised land. They had been rescued out of the curse of slavery. The Lord was bringing them to the place of promise. But was he really with them when they wandered in the wilderness? And of course, we know the answer is yes. 
the pillar of cloud and the fire led them every day, every night. Visible reminders that the Lord was walking with his people. But there was more. The book of Numbers continues the story of Israel in the wilderness, and it shows how the Lord wasn't just physically present with them. He was with them to bless them. We all know the Lord is everywhere. He's omnipresent, the theological term, but sometimes we forget that for his people, he is especially present. He is present to bless us. And the Israelites needed this reminder, and so do we. So the Lord had Moses tell Aaron and the priests something that has stayed with us for thousands of years. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Blessing from the Lord to his people. And it's a blessing that has lasted through the generations. Churches that have a more formal liturgy still pronounce this blessing over the Lord's people every Sunday. It's the Lord's heart toward us to bless us, not curse us. Israel was wandering in the wilderness. We are living our Christian lives in exile. This blessing is meant to strengthen us and give us hope in the Lord. Three times the blessing says the Lord, and three times this blessing tells us what the Lord wants to do. The Lord bless you and keep you. To be blessed means to be highly favored, to be especially loved and set apart by the Lord. He blessed Israel and he kept Israel. He protected them through all their wanderings and failings. He walked with them and kept them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. When the Lord turns his face toward us, what comes to mind? Often we think of his frown. We've sinned. We've fallen or failed. He's not happy. He looks at us with a disappointed frown. But that couldn't be further from the truth. The Lord has blessed us, kept us, and in Christ, when he shines his face upon us, it is his smile we receive. We are loved by the Lord. He smiles over us, and this is his grace. The truth is we have sinned, as Israel sinned, but the Lord doesn't frown upon us. In Christ, we have his smile, because in Christ, we have his forgiveness the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Twice we are blessed with the Lord turning his face toward us. Our hope in this world is that the Lord has his eye upon us, watching us. In a world like ours, this is increasingly important, and it reminds us of a stanza from a famous poem written by James Russell Lowell. The poem is called The Present Crisis, and it was written at a time when things seemed to be out of hand in America. The stanza speaks to the comfort we have in knowing the Lord has his face upon us. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch upon his own. 
the Lord turn his face upon us. He stands in the dim unknown, always watching and protecting his own. We need to hear this. We need to trust this. And this brings us peace. Peace with the Lord and peace with one another as we live out of the reality that we have God's smile already. The Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. This blessing has sustained the Lord's people for millennia through the 40 years wandering in the desert, wondering if the Lord was with them. The Lord bless you and keep you through the difficult process of settling in the promised land, taking hold of all the Lord gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you through the deportation and the exile as enemies ravish their land through the Holocaust and persecution of the church worldwide. The Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. This passage is life or death. We need the Lord's blessing. We need his face. We need his smile. We need his grace. And we need the peace that flows out of all of this. We need Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, we have this blessing. And when we receive this blessing, the Lord says he puts his name upon us. He makes us his own. And we live as marked people set apart for holiness, to the praise of Christ's name, the only name given under heaven by which we may be saved, Jesus. The Lord's blessing is not about us. At the end of the day, it's really all about Jesus. And by faith in him, we receive everything we need. One more piece of sound from this past Monday I'd like to share. As hundreds of thousands had seen Queen Elizabeth's body lie in state, there were also hundreds of thousands lining the route of the funeral procession. Johnny Diamond is the famous royal correspondent for the BBC. The cortege was moving slowly, led by horse-mounted Royal Canadian Mounted Police, representing the Commonwealth. <laughs> As the pipes and drums cried out into the cold grey morning, the Queen's coffin was taken from Westminster Hall to Westminster Abbey, atop the state gun carriage, pulled not by horses but by naval ratings. Behind it, the Queen's children walked. Inside the Abbey, the coffin, draped in the royal standard, was the one splash of colour in amidst the black mourning dress of the congregation. Her favourite hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, was sung alongside music from her wedding and her coronation. The sermon from the Archbishop of Canterbury was short and, like the Queen, emphatically Christian. There was a reminder of her so-called lockdown national broadcast. All who follow the Queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God, he said, can with her say... We will meet again. Sounds from Monday. Even as this queen was very much alive in the presence of her king and lord of lords, take comfort in this life spent on earth for her people and her savior.
Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, the final hymn sung by the Cambridge Singers, arranged by John Rutter and also sung this past Monday at the Queen's funeral, one of her favorite hymns. This weekend, may we all reflect more on the love of Jesus, excelling all other loves. And I'd like to suggest to you a way to grow your faith in your Savior. That would be through reading the book we have for you called Our Faithful Queen, a book that draws on prayers, verses, and the Queen's speeches to show how the Queen's Christian faith enabled her to lead. You can't get this book on Amazon or in North American bookstores, but we have it direct from the UK. Written by Catherine Butcher, this book comes with rarely seen photographs and I think will help lead you in your Christian life with Jesus. So call us right now for one or get extra copies to give away, all for your gift to this ministry. Call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website and look at the sample pages from the book there and make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. At the height of Jesus' ministry, some men brought to him a paralyzed man. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. This man had come seeking a miracle. What do you think he felt when he heard Jesus say, Your sins are forgiven? Was it relief or disappointment? You know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with what we want most. But in that moment, we can be blind to God's goodness when he gives us instead what we need the most. Now, in this case, Jesus went on and he healed that paralytic, but not before making the point that this man's greatest need was not his physical healing, but a right relationship with his Father in heaven. Get daily encouragement in God's word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at getanchor.com.